It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Welcome to part two of our conversation. This is how Karen Armstrong, our Super Soul Sunday guest today, has been described. She's one of the most original thinkers on the role of religion in the modern world. And she's arguably the most lucid, wide-ranging and consistently interesting religion writer today. Karen is a former Catholic nun who has studied the world's great religions and she's identified the common thread that runs through all of them. And uh, we talked about this once before and that common thread is... Compassion. Compassion. It took years and years of studying and research for Karen to discover that common thread an experience that began at the age of 17 when she decided to become a Catholic nun. Last time we sat down together, Karen revealed her painful struggles behind convent walls. Terrible loneliness, I think that was the hard thing, mm-hmm. uh, because we were not allowed to make friends. You weren't even allowed to have friends? No, because you're trying to get rid of ego, mm-hmm. and that is a hard struggle. Disillusioned with life as a nun, Karen ultimately made the difficult decision to leave religious life altogether. But her passion for studying the world's religions remained fierce. And today, she is one of the most acclaimed and prolific writers on the subject of faith. It was in the aftermath of September 11th that Karen became a sought-after expert, having written extensively on Islam and the Prophet Muhammad. In February 2008, she won the prestigious TED Prize for her groundbreaking work, dedicating her life to creating a more harmonious world. It is the subject of her 2010 book, 12 Steps to a Compassionate Life. If we all share this common thread of compassion, certainly if all religions teach the same thing, why do you think people are so afraid of others' faiths and traditions? Well, I think the trouble is that people uh, identify too closely with their own beliefs and doctrines. They project themselves into it too much so that when they find that other people do things differently, it seems to challenge their themselves. They feel themselves threatened in some way. They feel like the other. Yes. The other cannot possibly be right because I'm right. Yeah. And the point is that if you just get compassion right, 
you don't, it's not about being right, religion, it's not about being right. But you get a lovely, warm, self-congratulatory glow when you feel right. When the real purpose of religion is to, what? To let yourself go. What the religions tell us, that you are your best self when you give yourself away. Uh, when you give yourself away to other people. Religion is meant not just to get us to heaven. I think heaven is a bit of a red herring. <laughs> uh, but it is meant to um, propel us towards others in compassion. The Buddha said, after enlightenment, you go back to the marketplace and there practice compassion for all living beings. You don't just uh, sit congratulating yourself on you achieving nirvana. Uh, you, it, it propels you out in, in charity and compassion and to make the world a better place. Buddhists say you have to take responsibility for the pain of the world. Not say that's somebody else's problem. Uh, their understanding of compassion is that you say, I am now going to do all in my power to assuage the suffering of the world. Mm -hmm. And our idea of compassion has got so feeble uh, that we think it means feeling sorry for people. Ah, it means? It means to feel with the other, compathane in Greek, uh, compassio in Latin, to feel and endure something with somebody else. Uh, to, uh, and it's summed up in what's often called the golden rule. Never treat others as you would not like to be treated yourself. So when you are feeling with others and in sometimes as others, because I've been able to do that, where you literally yes. put yourself in and you can feel other people's pain, you can feel their sadness and sorrow, mm -hmm. and you, it touches that same space in yourself. Is that religion? Yes, that is religion. That is religion. And there's a famous story by the, of the great Rabbi Hillel, who was an older contemporary of Jesus. And a pagan came to him and said that he would convert to Judaism if Hillel could sum up the whole of Jewish teaching, the whole of the Torah, while he stood on one leg. And Hillel said, that which is hateful to you, do not to you, do to your fellow man. That is the Torah. And everything else is only commentary. <laughs> oh, I love that. Everything I love that. Else. So it's a provocative statement. But if you get compassion right, you get the rest of and it And that right. is true whether you are you know, Muslim or Jewish or Buddhist or, or, Buddhist, or Hindu. They or Hindu all or Confucian. Yes. Uh, Confu or Christian. Or Christian. Yes. Uh, um, Confucius was the first person to, um, to formulate the golden rule as far as we know, 500 years before Christ. And uh, they said, his disciples said, Master, which of your teachings can we put into practice all day and every day? And he said, never treat others as you would not like to be treated yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that all the faiths have come to tell us this, that this is what works. That if you, people have found that if you do uh, all day and every day, look into, your, as the golden rule says, look into your own heart, discover what gives you pain, yes. and then refuse under any circumstance whatsoever to inflict that pain on anybody else. Somehow you achieve new capacities of mind and heart. Yeah. Just as a dancer who practices and practices and practices for years. So if you're can, not practicing it, and you're not putting it into action, yes. it's not real. Once you do it, everything falls into place. You see, and I think the fact that uh, every single one of the world faiths 
has developed this ethos of the golden rule separately from one another, independently, and said, this is what brings us to nirvana or to God. They did it because it worked. That's why you feel better when you see someone as yourself or when you are giving of yourself, when you lose yourself. And what the Buddhists say is that it's our uh, identification with ourselves that gives us such pain. Yes. It, when we wake up at three in the morning mm -hmm. and we go through all these miserable thoughts like, why has I, have I not got what so-and-so has? Why it's always me? You know, mm -hmm. there's all this self-pity. We lash ourselves out. We think we have a hard time. No one understands us. No one loves us as whether we should be loved. It's all me. We're, and that's what makes us miserable. The world according to me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when you th remember that everybody else has this pain too, the one thing we know in the world that every human being, however fortunate or happy he or she is, has pain. And that that is the great thing that brings us together. So what's your take on where we are right now with the state of religion in the world? It seems to me a great tragedy that the world religions, which have got this, this recipe for, to heal the troubles of our time. Uh, the main task of our time is to build a global society where peoples of all persuasions, all ethnicities, can live together in mutual respect. The religions have got this, and yet you don't hear about it. Uh, when, um, what do you mean they got, they've got it? They've they got it in the golden rule. Okay, so they've got it, but everybody doesn't seem to understand that that is, is, it. That is it. That's it. That is what we're supposed That's to be it. doing. Yes, um, and one of the things is that people don't really want to be compassionate. We depend upon our pet hates and our dislikes. Uh, they give us because our what, sense that of self. validates us and yes. makes us feel like we are. If you can feel like you're better than yes. they are, yes, then that... you, it gives you a, a bit of a buzz and a, and a sense of self. And, uh, and and so yes, we we depend upon it. We are almost addicted to our pet hatreds. Have we always been that way? Yes, uh, we've got brains. We've got several kinds of brain. An old reptilian brain that is all about me. Uh, for survival, getting our genes out mm -hmm, there, mm -hmm. uh, running away if, if, a, if a tiger comes in to the studio. We're supposed to run for our lives, to flee, right. to fight if, if, if someone comes on our territory. If we hadn't got those urges, we, we wouldn't have survived as a species. We need it. But we also develop these other capacities that help us to, a mother to care for her young, uh, that make a mother get up every night to her crying child. Uh, however exhausted she is. So we need to tap into more of that part of our brain. And, and work hard at it. And work at it. It's, it's not, it doesn't come easily or Because naturally. you were saying uh, in our last conversation that religion is really work. Yes. And if there isn't action, then yes. there isn't. I think that's why so many people refer to themselves as spiritual and not religious because the idea of not having the doctrine and the order and the you must and the exclusiveness and the exclusion uh, appeals to a lot of people. It, it, it gives the people a sense of security, but it's a false sense of security. Uh, people want, religion is not about giving people certainty. Um, and in our very uncertain I think that that's what it is for so many people. Exactly. They think it is, they think this is the way, my way is the way. We don't have certainty in this life. Uh, so it, if you let it go and just act in this compassionate way all day and every day, you begin to lose your fear. 
Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash giftfinder. You've said that you've noticed now a hunger for change. And on, on this show, we talk often about what I call this yearning for something more. What do you think that is? People, I think we realize that uh, we are heading for a real mess. Um, I, I think if you look, it up, look at our environment, we're doing yes. dreadful things to our environment. Yes. Uh, our economies are in disaster. All the things that we thought we were certain about are, are shaky. Mm-hmm. And we are, whether we like it or not, linked to the other. Yes. When markets fall in one part of the world, it affects us all, all around the globe that day. Uh, the stocks plummet. That's right. That's right. Um, internationally, what happens in Afghanistan today can have repercussions politically in New York or London tomorrow. We all face the same environmental catastrophe. We can see that. We can all see but, that. But I think we, everybody watching, but hearing we us have, now. Our perceptions haven't caught up with it. We still think we're in a special separate category or that the other, that's his problems. Even when we see it on the news, we watch it on People our... People get compassion fatigue, I think. Mm-hmm. They see, oh, not another earthquake, you know, or, or else these people deserve what they get. Uh, and I think that uh, the news should be a spiritual opportunity because we are confronted with images of suffering from all over the world like no other generation. But you know, this is what you just said, it should be a spiritual opportunity. I have often thought that, and I'm not quite sure even how do you bring it into reality, for people to see it and have your heart open and then want to, yes. to take action, instead of it's a constant flow and flood of sound bites of sound bites of what went wrong yes and i can't even understand why we're being told we live in an age of information yes and we think we know everything yes the way we talk about one another is omniscient yes. we say the trouble with her is yes and so you could and there sum- are whole shows about it and the, 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 the trouble with her is yes so you could sum up the entire complex mystery of another human being in a single sentence i know and similarly, they say it about whole cultures. 
and whole peoples. The problem with them The is... trouble with Islam is. Yes. And really, what they actually know about Islam could be comfortably contained on the back of a small postcard. <laughs> and we need to realise our if that. ignorance of other people, to realise their pain, and to realise I've had such a privileged life. Unbelievable privilege compared to the vast majority of people on this planet. On the planet, yes. And that means you, if you have had a privilege in your life, then we must give something back. I must do something for my, for my society, for Which my people. Which is the purpose of every human being being on the planet. If we can... When to we, lift somebody else up. If we, when we die, we come to die, and we can say that perhaps the world has been a little bit better because I've lived in it, then, it's, then that's, that's the meaning that of our That was your purpose. That was your purpose. Yes. That was your purpose. Tell me, what in all of your research, your study, your embracing of the world's religions have you most come to know? I think that we must be impelled from our spirituality. We must get out there and experience the pain of the world. Um, and realize what we don't know. We think we know it all. Religion tells us we don't know. Uh, and that's not, not often the way it's portrayed. We're often told we know this, that, and the other about mm -hmm. religion. And, the, yeah. and so we One get into a mess. One of the things you, said, you, you were saying earlier is that, you know, if religion is anything, it is not certainty. It is not it's certainty. It's the opposite of certainty. Yes. But, but often it is... Uh, pastored to us in a way yes. or administered to us in a way that we're told that it is certainty. And then people get disappointed yes. when it doesn't give them that certainty and peace that, that, that they were. So in that way, is that what you mean when you say religion's been hijacked? Yes, uh, I think, and it's been hijacked by, by hardliners, I think, and also by uh, unkindness. I, I think often religion yes. is not kind. And that this is because a, what we can't understand in what so many people can't understand. I have a lot of friends who are gay. How can you call yourself religious and then say, if you're gay, yes. you can't come here? The point is, if you, it's the golden rule. Would you like your own uh, sexuality uh, mocked, and derided? No, then don't do it to other people. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can't. When people came to... But people use the Bible, they use their religious texts, they use other things to justify Where keeping gay people out. At one point in this country, it was to keep black people yes. out, slaves obey slaves. your master. Yes, exactly. Yes. These te these, uh, we are reading our scriptures today with a literalness that has no parallel in history. Uh, it's because of our literal mindset. And before people listened to their scriptures, most of the people couldn't read. And before the invention of printing, you couldn't ha own your own Bible. It would be impossible to bandy all these texts around. Yes, because yes. You'd hear them. The Quran means recitation, and you listen to it. And that means that you have a quite a different attitude uh, to... You, you, you're not taking out these little bits. You read the whole of it, and it's mm -hmm. holding the whole thing in your mind, but in a much looser way. You've written 12 Steps to a Compassionate Life and Making the World a More Compassionate Place, and that, that's become your life's work. Yep. Uh, I won the TED Prize in 2008. Yes, I know. And they give you a wish for a better world, which yes. they will make happen. And I, got, I was getting frustrated that there's the world in the state it's in, and here are the religions talking about homosexuality or, you know, or doctrines. And we should, they should, this is what they should be talking about, the ethos of compassion, which is the task of our time. 
Uh, so I, it's the task of our time. So I asked Ted to help me write uh, a charter for compassion. It was written by leading activists and thinkers in six major world faiths. Mm -hmm. And now it's becoming a sort of global movement to bring compassion back into public and private life. You've said in our perilously divided world, compassion is in our best interest. Yes, yes. Uh, we, can't, we can't go on like this. Uh, we can't afford to go on treating other peoples in the way we have done for short-term goals. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And, it, and, and if, we want, if we want a viable world, it means we have to listen to one another and respect one another. Otherwise, with, in the global world we've created, with the weaponry we've created, we, we can't survive as a species. So what you talk about in the 12 steps uh, to a compassionate life, ultimately, if we're not able to forgive our enemies, and ultimately, if we're not able to see others as ourselves, mm -hmm. the world as we know it is not viable. Is not viable. Uh, if I just come back to this point about forgiveness, sometimes we forgive other people, but we often don't understand that we ourselves are at fault. Uh, it takes two to tango. Bad situations come about in personal life are because two people aren't doing the right thing. Right. And so that it's not just a question of forgiving, our, but loving our enemies. Now, when Jesus said that, he did not mean affection or tenderness. We debase the word love in our mm -hmm. culture. You know, I love ice cream. Mm -hmm. Didn't you love that movie? I know. We use um, it. Yeah, debased is the right term. We and just... uh, in the ancient world, Leviticus says, love your neighbor. And the word love was used in international treaties. Two kings who may have been enemies promised that they would love each other. And that, that didn't mean that they would fall into one another's arms and become best friends, but that they would look out for one another's best interests. And also understanding their pain, the, the pain of, 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 that is, lies behind a lot of this anger, it's hardened into rage. Mm -hmm. And this is something that no society can safely ignore. And it's true with uh, countries and communities, and it's true in our own lives, yes. in, personally. Because what is true here is also true yes. out, out, out there. And we cannot... Not we, understanding another person's pain, that pain turns into rage and on and, and, and we on. see it all around us, all in our own families. Yes, even. in our own families. Um, and we cannot, in honesty and integrity, expect other uh, so-called enemies to be more tolerant and compassionate if we ourselves give way to unexamined prejudice or bigotry. Mm -hmm. We have to work on ourselves first uh, and, and, and try being uh, a, a light to the people we meet every day um, and make their lives easier. That is our job in life. And we must develop a more global out, out, outlook so that we treat, respect all others as we would wish to be respected. Mm -hmm. I love this quote from the TED Talk that you gave after receiving the TED Prize. Um, you said, in compassion, when we feel with the other, we dethrone ourselves from the center of our world and we put another person there. Yes. We dethrone ourselves yes. and put the other, other person, person on, on, on the, the throne. throne. Yes. Ah, that's so good. Once we get rid of ego, then we're ready to see the divine. Yes. And this is our task day in, day out. And um, it's the only thing that is, is worth doing. It's, the, it's what the world needs. It's what we need as human beings.
uh, all the things that plague us about our hatreds and, you know, that we waste so much time on, and jealousies and envies starts. Because you go. say we all have a dark side. We all have a dark side. Every single one of us has flaws. Look at Martin Luther King yes. and Gandhi. Yes. They were flawed individuals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look what one person can do. Yes. And that's what we must say to ourselves. We can all be that one person. As Gandhi said, you must yourself become the change you wish to see in the world. Mm -hmm. We all have this darker side, not just uh, interesting big sins, but little meannesses and fantasies and self-pity that we wouldn't want anybody to know about because it's so petty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and so, and that- And small. And, and... But everybody has the same. We're all like that. And so that's, that is the task. And, and don't be put off being a compassionate person because you've got, you, you feel you're just ordinary and flawed. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, You'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. You've said also, you say also, 12 Steps to a Compassionate Life, that uh, identifying evil as the devil distracts us from its real source. Explain that, please. Uh, well, what we do if we if we just uh, push out our own evil, we make evil inhuman. We people often say it's inhuman what's been done. Unfortunately, it's all too human. It's all too human. It's what we do, unfortunately, and so we have to acknowledge our own potentiality for evil, not push it outside onto the devil, uh, but take responsibility for it. When we feel sometimes murderous anger at people, mm -hmm. we all do, you know, from time to time, say, now look, mm -hmm. this, is, this, is, this is me. Uh, it's part in my brain and it, it, we all have these impulses. The job is to control it and to uh, somehow turn it into something more productive. Tell me this. I'm inspired by what you said here today watching in wherever part of the world I am. How do I begin to activate compassion within myself? Um, How do I take these words 
and make them live within me. Take a, a, a little practice you can do all day and every day. When you're in the office or in, at home or going to work on the commuter train, look at the person sitting next to you and say, what do I know about this person? What do I really know about this person? I may see them every day, but do I know what makes her cry in the night? What do I know about the girl who's checking me out in the supermarket? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm impatient and she's a woman stupid, she's so slow. Mm -hmm. What do I really know about that woman, her home circumstances, mm -hmm. her suffering? Her... Just get that habit. That is also why the, what, you, what you were saying earlier, Corinne, that the, why the gossip blogs and the culture we've created of, you know, the gossip magazines mm. and summing somebody's life up in because of one incident is, is so flawed. It's very flawed. Behind each person lies a whole history of associations, of joy, of happiness, of events that we'll never know. Um, and to have that utter reverence for that unknowingness, the mystery that we encounter in everybody we meet. It's why the Hindus, when they greet one another, mm -hmm. will bow and join their hands. They're acknowledging the divinity that they're encountering in the other person, that absolute mystery. That's why I loved being in India, that experience yes. of every single person you meet, having that kind of yes. seeing of you, and an acknowledgement of that. And that somehow in our rushed society, where we're so always so busy and goal-oriented, we need uh, to, 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 to rem remind ourselves of that, that supreme value, the sanctity, uh, the supreme value that exists in every single human being. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to have all 12 steps from your book on Oprah.com, but let's talk about some of the fundamentals. You say you must first cultivate compassion within yourself. Yes. Because everything starts right here. Yes. Yes. Um, and that means, uh, as, as we were saying, you, you have to take responsibility for your shadow side, accept what you've got. Uh, which is not so good about you, say, that's the way I am. I'll do my best to improve, but I am a flawed person. Nevertheless, I, I, can, I can live this compassionate life. So to start nourishing compassion today, we need to see ourselves in the other. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, really, family first. Family first. You, I think it's a good idea to think in terms of Confucius thought, in terms of concentric circles. Look around your own family. Is there somebody there that is distressed or left out or, you know, would, could do with a phone call? Uh, how can we make this family a more compassionate place, a more compassionate home? Uh, and, and then think of our city and then our nation. Well, you say that the supreme test you talk about on 185 is what we were talking about earlier, and that is the ability to love your enemies. Yes and to put that love in the context of not, now you must come over to my house, but in the context of, I want what's best for you. Yes, not just what I can get out of you. Not just what I can get but out of you. But what I, I want, your well-being. Uh, there's that Buddhist prayer, let all beings be happy. Do you uh, practice this yourself? Because the idea of loving your enemies, that's really tough. It's really tough. Because uh, most people want their enemies to not do it. so well. That's it. And, but you see, uh, A, that makes you a smaller person when you are so wrapped up. I'm thinking, let's just 
uh, not even think of global enemies, but the people we don't like in our own lives, we mm -hmm. think are doing us down or have injured us in the past. And, mm -hmm. and we, we meditate on these people. Uh, we think about, dwell on their bad qualities. Yes, we, yes, 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 and, yes. And, and this makes us small and vile and uh, a lesser, lesser human and being. I can't emphasize enough. I mean, that, that really struck me. I, I think that by nature, or by something, I am not, I feel like I'm naturally a compassionate person. That's been a part of my, my, my being and my actions. But you saying it here today has really enforced and reinforced it in a way that I never thought of before, that that is our true purpose mm -hmm. as other human beings. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get that message, we are not going to survive. No, we're not this going to survive. This planet is yeah. not going to yeah. survive. We're not, we're not. I was not, I'm not a naturally compassionate person, I have to say. I've got a very sharp tongue. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a cruel sense of humor that I inherited from my grandmother. And um, people used to say to me, I would hate to be your enemy. Really? I was so angry and mad. It was all those dark years that mm -hmm. I had. Mm -hmm. And uh, you work on yourself and you become... Uh, happier but it comes it's hard work mm -hmm. and a lot of people are going to be like me saying well that's that's not for me but you can do it and it enriches your life and it's the only thing that's worth that's worth doing in the world is to make the world a kinder place where people can live and grow and thrive and not the only thing yet the only thing worth doing in the yes, world is, yes. is to make the world yes. a kinder place yes wow there's nothing more important than kindness. I feel that. Mm. I feel that. What is your definition of God? I refuse to define God. God, can, God cannot be defined because the word define means to set limits on something. God is more than we can conceive. God is, uh, as the Muslims say, Allahu Akbar means God is always greater than we can imagine or think. So there are no words for it. There's no words. It's like the end of a symphony when the, the last notes die away and there's a pregnant beat of silence in the hall very often before the applause begins. And when we talk about God, we're supposed to lead people into that beat of silence uh, where you say, oh, that's it, that's it. Nothing to be said, uh, but that's it. Full, a sort of significant silence. Theology should push us into that moment. Into the silence. Into the silence. Into where you realize you're at the end of what words and thoughts can do. Do you believe that we have souls? I'm not very really interested in the soul. I, I feel there's something in me that when I die, will go. And where I don't know where it will go. Because that was my next question. What happens when we die? I have no idea. <laughs> um, and I, I'm much happier for it. I, my religious life was ruined as a young girl um, by concentrating on getting into heaven. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, the, what we have is now. The only thing we can be absolutely certain about is that we have this moment now. To just live intensely in this moment, living for others. Uh, that Dethroning yourself, self, putting other people on the throne. Then you, then you, you are living a transcendent life. When do you first remember, first recall the connection to that which you call God? Um, when I was a very little girl, 
we used to go to the woods sometimes. And that sense of being in the moment. Blue as far as you can see, beech leaves, sunlight, mm -hmm. my parents there, mm -hmm. and everything sort of coming together. I think that's a sense of what sacred is, what God is. Mm -hmm. Where do you find it now? In my study. For me, um, it's at my desk. I think, see that as my prayer. I work all day uh, to tr try and explain things, to learn more, and I get moments of awe and wonder when I'm just lifted from myself. Isn't it interesting that you went into a convent to try to find God and it is only when you started to study other people's religions and it all came together yes. that you actually and, found it. And you, yes, and that I was attracted, each one. I mean, I love the Buddhist emphasis on practice rather than dogma. Yes. I love the pluralism of the Quran. The Quran says we're not all supposed to be in one religious community. And Judaism I love because you never stop asking questions. And I love that openness and that ability to question even, even God uh, and, and not to give up. Can you finish these sentences for me? Mm -hmm. The world needs compassion. The world will become more compassionate when? When we learn that we are not the center of the universe, neither our, ourselves as individuals, nor our nation, nor our culture, that we are all uh, we are all equal, we're all God's children, and we all have needs and pains and desires, and we will live or stand together, or we will fall. On the last page, you say, a truly compassionate person touches a chord in us mm. that resonates with some of our deepest yearnings. People flock to such individuals because they seem to offer a haven of peace in a violent, angry world. This is the ideal to which we aspire, and it is not beyond our capacity. But even if we achieve only a fraction of this enlightenment and leave the world marginally better because we've lived in it, our lives will have been worthwhile. There is no more to be said. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.